of God, you know, what can you say? We've spoken several weeks on the awe of God. And um, I just love this series because there's so much to it. There's so much as you start studying it and get into the Word of God, you realize how great God is. You really get a picture. You know, because sometimes we diminish Him, you know, like we make Him small in our world because we're not allowing Him to be our world. We're trying to fit Him into our world rather than us fitting into His world. The awe of God. We've often heard it referred to the awe of God as equal to the fear of God. So you'll hear those two interchange all the time, the awe of God and the fear of God. Psalm 33 verse 8 says, Let all the earth fear Jehovah. Let all the people of the world stand in awe of Him. Stand in awe of Him. See, where there is an absence of the fear of God, there is an absence of His presence. There's a missing piece. People say, I want to get closer to God, but they just stand off from afar. They don't enter in. Enter in. The troubles we're experiencing in our world today is a direct result of people turning their back on God and having no fear of Him. Some of the things that are coming out, the enemy is full on expressing their evilness, and we're seeing it in many ways. And causes a direct attack on Christianity because of who we stand for, the living Christ Jesus. I was listening to John Pavier, uh, who has a book out called The Awe of God, and some of the references today are from that. But uh, John Pavier said in one of his meetings recently Christianity, they did a study of Christianity. This is the Barner Institute, did a, a survey of Christianity from year 2000 to 2020. And we, in that time frame, there was a, a group of 20 million Christians from 2000 to 2020 went from being practicing Christians to non-Christians, atheists, and agnostic. And you go, wow, how does that happen? How is there a falling away from people? I mean, the Bible tells us in the last days there will be a falling away. There will be a falling away, and we're seeing that falling away. Because people lose the fear of God. They lose the awe of God, and they look to the world. That's why in the 1 John 2.15, it says, Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the Father of the... Uh, sorry, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Because all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. Those who obey the will, the commands, the fear of God will abide with him forever. He who does the will of God. There it is. He who does the will. The world is not doing the will of God. For us that do the will of God, he abides with you forever. There's a, there's a great word. People are looking for security right now. He who abides in our God, uh, He will abide with you forever. So we need to turn from our sin and turn back to God. That's the one thing that's separating people right now. They're just turning their back on God, giving up on God, moving up further away from Him, looking to the world for answers, looking to people for answers, looking to situations for answers. You will not find answers in any of those things. If you do, it's only short-term, short-lived. But the answer, the true answers come from Him, the living God. 
We are drawn so much in, into the sin. That's why it says in Hebrews 12:1, let us lay aside every weight and the sin of which so easily besets us. We can so easily get caught up in sinful things. We think our sinful things is just all the top 10 worst things you can think of. But sin is actually more than that. It's to turn your back on God. It's to do the things that God hates, to, to ignore the living God itself, to be an offense to God. To be offense to God is to sin against God. And even though you may not be doing like stealing things or hurting somebody, you could actually be turning your back to God. And that's why James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded ones. Right through the scripture, God deals with this one situation of the people turn away from him because of sin, and he calls them back with love and arms. He always calls you back. He doesn't wipe you off. Sometimes I think if I was God, I'd go, well, I've just had enough of these people. I've just had enough. That's it. Zap, zap, zap. You're gone. No more troubles. But great is his love towards us this morning is that he have no sinner turn away, but come to him. As we repent, as we turn our ways and we come back to Him, we need to live in fear, uh, sorry, live in faith and the fear of God, not double minded. You know, it says in Matthew 15 8, 15, 8, this people draws near to me with their mouth and honors me with their lips, but the heart is far from me. You know, this morning we can come here and honor Him in our praise and worship, but our heart is not right with Him. God sees the heart, God sees the inner part of you. You can hide all you like. You can be the, the most holy-looking Christian in this room right now, but God sees in your heart. You can put an outward exp uh, expression, but God looks at the inward heart. So we cannot be a double-minder. It says there, um, it says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, double-minded ones. When I was reading that verse, I was thinking of those cartoons where you have like a little devil on one shoulder and a little angel on the other one. You ever seen those cartoons? They're caught, caught up, the person's caught up being influenced by one or the other opinions and, and, I, and I become all unstable in all their ways. And this is what a double-minded man is. You've got to make a decision today who you follow. Choose whom this day you serve, whom this day you fear. If you fear the world more than God, it's not going to be a happy ending. But if you fear God more than the world and stand for Him, it's going to be a happy ending, I can tell you. Do not be double-minded, not like one leg in the camp, one leg out the camp. There's too much of this going on in the churches where they put on the appearance of loving God, but they go out and live a sinful life behind the scenes. God is coming to deal with those people. God's going to deal with the churches before He deals with the world, I can tell you. And God is coming in this time, in this moment. It's all starting to build up. And God's going to come to the church and say, where do you stand? Choose whom this day you stand with. Choose whom this day you serve. Jeremiah, this is what Jeremiah 17 uh, verse 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can know it? But in the next verse it says, I, Jehovah, search the heart. I try the reins even to give to each man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. In other words, you get what you deserve. Put it very, very simply. You get what you deserve. The life you live is, it will be uh, watched and known by God. 
In fact, I was talking to the youth the other week and I was saying, do you know everything you do right now is being recorded? I'm not talking about the NSA, National Security Agency, monitoring all your phone calls. And everything. I'm talking about God. God has a book called the Book of Life in Heaven and He records everything you do in it. Nothing goes amiss. You think that God can't see? I'm telling you, it's all written there. And I was sharing the story with the uh, young ones the other week and I said, there was a pastor who passed a pastor who passed away, <laughs> uh, and uh, he was laid out on a table as other, other ministers came around him praying. They were saddened because their pastor just died. He was about 70. They were really like upset because this pastor had been in the church for so long, ministers so many people, and now he is dead. He's on this table laid out there, and they're just praying. They're just praying. We're praying. And uh, 20 minutes had gone past you know, and they're still praying. And then suddenly there's a movement in the body and the pastor jumps up alive. <laughs> they said that suddenly the faith of these other pastors just drained out of them. They ran for the door. They thought they saw a ghost. But then the pastor came forward and says, oh, whoa, 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 let me share with you my experience. I've just had an experience, an encounter with God. And as he went to share, he said, when he died, he felt his body leave and come into the presence of the glory of God. And he said, it was amazing what I saw. I saw all these people. I saw things that I never thought I'd ever see. But then he said, I was brought to a book. I brought to a book that was shown to me. The pages were open. And as I looked at the pages, I realized it was an account of my life. Everything I had ever done from, being, from the day I was born to the day I died was written in this book. As he started looking at some of the pages, he was reminded of some of the things he did as a naughty little boy, and he go, oh my goodness, it's in there. What else is in there? Can you imagine right now what was in your book, the book God's got on you? Well, <laughs> it's gone very quiet in this place right now. And uh, as he's looking, the pages are turned, and there's re uh, records upon records upon records. As he gets to one page, he stops to read, and it's an account of when he was 10 years old and how Pretty poor, he went into a shop and he wanted his pair of shoes so badly he stole them. And it said that in this book that he had stolen these shoes. He said he couldn't even remember until he read it. He goes, oh my goodness, I did that. I can't, I can't, I didn't recall it until I read it. I, you know, unbelievable. God has everything in his book. He has everything about you and I. He knows everything about you. And that's why we should have awe of him. But then it goes on to say that. He started getting really panicky because when you start seeing all these things that God has recorded in the book, you're going, is there any hope for me? Is there any hope? What does this book end like? Because he just wanted to get to the end of the book because he'd seen so much of his inefficiency to do the right thing in his world. And uh, as he got to the end of the book, the account of his life and all that it was, it had there paid in full by the blood of Christ. Everything he had done because he had surrendered his life to Jesus Christ was paid in full by the blood of Christ. Wow, that's what I want to see on the last page of my book. And I will, and so will you if you've given your life to Jesus Christ. We need to be in the right relationship with him. And this is the one thing that breaks and divides us from God is sin. God cannot tolerate sin. God will not tolerate it. John Bevere tells a story of when he was a young pastor, uh, well, preaching at the time. 
He wanted more of God's anointing. God, I want to get close to you. I want to know more of you. I really kind of, I just can't get enough of you. And he said he'd go out to a construction site and he spent two hours just praying there. Praying, God, you know. He, was, he would pray fervently and he'd pray for two hours straight every morning without doubt. Getting up about five in the morning, he's up there praying, 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 praying. And he was expecting something to change. But nothing changed in the sense of his anointing. He was saying, God, I need more anointing. I need to reach these lost people. I need your anointing. And yet nothing had changed. Nothing has changed. In his frustration, he said, God, what more can I do? What more can I do? I'm getting up praying two hours a day. I'm, I'm in your presence. I'm doing all these things. Why has my anointing not increased? Why has it not changed? And as he sat there, God spoke to him and said, because you tolerate sin in your life, and in others' lives. Uh, whoa, that's pretty powerful. You tolerate sin. So you can spend all the time in church preach, uh, praying and, and worshiping God, but you're tolerating sin in your life. God sees that. God sees that sin in your life, and he will not put up with sin. He doesn't, it's like repels him. I'm not coming close. We need to stop tolerating sin the church needs to speak up about the sin that is in our world rather than going along with it there is too many churches right now that tolerate sin i mean some of you have seen uh, some of the, the videos out on social media and it's so sad when you see certain churches giving themselves over basically to the devil, accepting all the things that God says in his book not to do. They are now doing it because love is love. Well, I'm telling you, love comes with, with, with responsibility. Love is just not anything you want. And yet the world is trying to use that to justify their sin. Love is not love. Love has boundaries. Love is The love of God is perfect. It's a different sort of love that, that God talk, talks about here. We must stop tolerating sin if we want to get closer to God, if we want to see God. Moses was a man who feared God. Moses wouldn't tolerate sin either. Great story in Exodus chapter 32, where Moses goes up to meet with God on the mountain. It would have been an awesome sight to speak one-on-one -on -one with God. And there is God's given him a download. He's gone for some time. And of course, that's where he brings back the tablets, the Ten Commandments. And he's up there speaking to God. Meantime, down the ground, um, Aaron and, and Moses' people are all congregating, going, well, gee, Moses has been gone a long time. Where's he gone? You know, like, you know, I think we kind of need to fix this situation because we're not hearing from Moses. We don't know what God's talking about. So let's make our own God. So they go to Aaron. Can you imagine? Oh, I still can't. When I read this, it just blows my mind. <laughs> To, to know the presence and the power of God and then to decide you're going to make your own. It's not Build-A-Bear. And, uh, you know, and Aaron was pressured, well, it says pressured, or as in the sense that people came to Aaron and said, Aaron, we don't know where Moses is. He's been gone a long time. We want to build our own God. And we will worship and say, this is the God that brought us out of Egypt. Now, Aaron said, okay, and he collected all the gold earrings from the women and all those things and uh, melted it all down. And, of course, they produced a, a calf out of gold. While they were doing this, 
Moses is speaking to God, and God says to Moses, go down, for your people are corrupt. Your people are corrupt. So you can't, God was up on the mountain with Moses, but he could see everything what's going on. You can't hide from him. He sees everything you're doing. It says in Exodus 32, 7, And Jehovah said to Moses, Go get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt are corrupted. God says it as it is, are corrupted. So Moses went down from the mountain. I can imagine how he felt. I'll leave you guys five minutes and you're doing this. I spoke the glory of God and you're doing this. You've seen the power of God move and you're doing this. What is wrong with you people? What is wrong with you? It says in Exodus 30, uh, sorry, it says that Moses' response was this. When he came into the camp, he took the calf which they had made and burned it in the fire. He said, we're going to destroy this. And he ground it into powder and dropped it upon the water and he made the sons of Israel drink it. <laughs> wow, no messing around there, is there? Aaron's, I love Aaron's explanation. In Exodus 32, 24, he says, And I said to them, uh, this is Aaron, uh, Whoever has any gold, let them break it off. And I, I just said this, Moses, and, and, and they gave it to me, and, and I threw it into the fire. And there came out this calf. I didn't know it was going to happen. Uh, you know, it's like, I just, just threw some gold on there in the fire. Forgot to mention further on, uh, earlier on, that he actually crafted the, the calf with, with tools and stuff like that. But to Moses, he must have saw how man Moses was. goes, okay, I admit, I, I collected the gold, but I just threw in the fire, but I didn't know a calf was coming out. I had no idea, you know. It's like, what's going on here? But not only that, they called the calf Jehovah. Trying to replace the living God with a molten calf of gold. They'd lost the fear of God. When we lose the fear of God, we end up worshipping other gods that we make. Our attention is turned to other things. It can be money, fame, all sorts. When your eyes is not on God, it will be on something else. We have a making in us to desire to worship something. And if it's not God, you're going to be worshipping something. And I'm telling you, that something needs to be destroyed in your life today. You need to turn from that sin and come back to God. Moses had the awe of God. He looked at the awe, he saw God, and it was in awe of him. But he always wanted to see more as well. And in Exodus 33, verse 18, we see Moses' response to God. The people's response to God was, oh, yeah, well, we'll just make our own. Moses' response to God was in Exodus 33, 18, he said, I beseech you to God. He said, let me see your glory. He wanted to see more of God. He wanted to see his glory. And he goes on to say, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. This is God now saying to Moses, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of Jehovah before you. Oh, sorry, no, it's Moses there. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will have mercy on whom I'll have mercy. And he said, you cannot see my face, for there no man can see me and live. And Jehovah said, Behold, there is a place to me, and you shall stand on, upon a rock. And it will be while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock and cover you with my hands while I pass by. And I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back parts, but shall not see my face. What an incredible picture of 
the, the, the magnificence of God, the awe of God. He asked to see his glory. He says, you can see my glory, but you cannot see my face because you would die. So he put him in a cleft of the rock. I can just sort of picture it in a cleft of the rock. And he covered him over, God covered him over with his hand as he passed by. He would have felt the presence of God go past. And I'm sure he would have, like once he's passed by, he peeped <laughs> and had a look and see the glory of God. It's quite incredible. To get a further sort of picture of that, we can turn to um, Elijah in 1 Kings 19.10 because he also has an experience like this. Elijah also is passionate for the presence of God. He wants to know God in a greater way. He says, in fact, in 1 Kings 19.10, he says, I have been very zealous for Jehovah, the God of hosts. And it says, and he said, he, go forth, uh, God said, go forth and stand on the mountain before Jehovah and behold, Jehovah passed by. Now, here's another instance where he's on a rock and he wants to see God's glory and Jehovah's about to pass by. But here it's more descriptive because it says um, in verse 11, 1 Kings 19, verse 11, it says, Behold, Job, Jehovah passed by and a great and strong wind tore the mountains. Can you imagine that? Just seeing the mountains, seeing that, you know, big sort of wind coming through and uh, tearing away rocks and that. But listen to this, it says, Strong wind tore the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before Jehovah, but Jehovah was not in the wind. And after the wind was an earthquake, a rumbling of the ground, but Jehovah was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake was a fire, but Jehovah was not in the fire. And after the fire was a still, small voice. So here we see God's glory passing by Elijah, and it ripped the power, the awesomeness of God was pulling the rocks off the cliff. It was wrecking everything. There's a tremble in the earth, everything, because this is the power and might of our God that we have awe of. And uh, what was that? <laughs> and uh, the power it was incredible. And Somebody's beeping me here. And uh, <laughs> the power of God was incredible that moment. The rocks flying everywhere. And yet it finished off said God was not in this. This is the presence of him past what this is what happens when God comes past there's a power release a power like no other but what we find at the end it says and after the fire was a still small voice God speaks to you in a small a still small voice can you imagine if God came to you and said get your act right you're out of line no, no, no. You go, Whoa. that'd be a different sort of fear of God but when we have an awesome fear of God honor him god doesn't need to shout at us just his words his kind words to us turn from your sin that's why it says in 2 chronicles seven fourteen, if my people god says if it's conditional it's pivotal on the word if if my people who are called by name my name shall pray humble themselves seek my face turn away from their wicked ways, then I shall heal, hear from heaven and I will hear the, heal their land. I'm telling you, it's dependent on what you do. You, not God, determines the level of relationship with him. God is more interested in you than what you will ever be of him. Psalm 139 verse 17 shows you this. It says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Have you ever seen how many grains are in a piece of sand? 
I mean, you get a handful of sand, there's thousands of pieces there. That's how God thinks of you. His ways, his thoughts to you are more than the grains of sand. So if we're going to fear God, we need to confess to God all the time. We need to confess daily of our sins. In fact, John Bevere puts five things we should do in regarding the fear of God. He said these five things we should do to uh, be in the right position with God, to fear God. It's number one, fear God instantly. Don't, take, don't be blasé about God. Fear Him instantly. Two, fear God even if it doesn't make sense. Sometimes God asks you to do things. It doesn't make sense, but if He's asked you, just do it. Number three, to obey Him even if it hurts. Sometimes it will hurt you. It will hurt your pride. It will hurt everything. But you've just got to do it because he's asked of you. If you fear him, you'll do it. Number four, obey him if you can't, even if you can't see a benefit. So we're in a world today like, what's in it for me? If there's nothing in you, I'm not going to do it. But here, to have the fear of the Lord, you obey him regardless if there's any benefits or not. And number five, obey him to completion. For those who have, who have the fear of God, it's not about being scared of God, but it's about being terrified of being away from him. I want to tell you a story in July 8, 1741. This paints the picture of being in fear of God and being away from him. As this congregation encountered on July 8, 1741, Jonathan Edwards started a sermon that he could never finish. Such was the impact of his preaching that the people listened, shrieked and cried out, and crying and weeping became so loud that Edwards was forced to discontinue the sermon. Instead, the pastors went down among the people and prayed with them in groups. Many came to save knowledge of Christ that day. I want to tell you, this is what was, his sermon was. It was on the presence of God and being separated in the place called hell. And as he started speaking the words about hell, people... There was a supernatural thing going on. People started to experience what hell was like in the congregation. People were starting to cry. People were weeping, yelling, screaming. People were actually, it was reported, people felt like they were sliding off their seat into hell. They were actually seeing the, the visuals, the reality of it all. Perhaps he freaked out and he got so noisy he had to discontinue. And he just went along amongst the people and comforted them and prayed for them. And they received Christ. That is an incredible picture of separation from God. God showed him what separation from God looks like. It's a place called hell. So in conclusion today, I want to say this, as it says in Psalms 33 verse 8, let the earth fear Jehovah, let all the people of the world stand in awe of him. Proverbs 19.23 in the English Standard Version says this, the fear of the Lord leads to life and whoever has it rest satisfied he will not be visited by harm who would not want a god like that who would not want god in their life knowing that the fear of the lord having the fear of the lord leads to life it doesn't lead to destruction so as we gain that fear that reverence of god and live out of that place it leads to life life and it's the only true life and whoever has it Rest satisfied. Isn't it good to be feel satisfied? Rather than worried, terrified, fearful, but you just rest satisfied. And that's how we should be traveling in this time 
when our world is erupting with evil, we can sit satisfied because we know we have the fear of God on our side. He will not be visited by harm. Let's just close our eyes this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for your word, for your truth. Father, this morning we come to you as your people. And God, we are hungry for you. But God, we know we can only approach you with clean hearts. As King David said, Oh God, renew a clean heart within me. Renew in each one of us a clean heart towards you. Let's repent of our sin, that there be no sin in our life, unrepented. For yes, sure, we're all going to slip up here and there and sin, but we need to repent of that. So we're always clean before God so we can experience His presence. And I believe right now, as I'm speaking these words, that people are starting to experience His presence as they give up everything that is not of God to Him. Say, God, I don't want this. I want you more than anything. I want you more than anything. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me, O God, for that which I've done wrong before you. God, I want the awe of you back in my life. I want to live from that place of knowing you knowing that you are the only true God. I'm not going to put idols. I'm not going to put money. I'm not going to put anything before you because I fear you. And I know that you love and care for me. This morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ, the living God, if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior and you want to receive him right now, or you perhaps once received him but walked away but you need to come back this morning we need to have that fear of him again not fear of being scared but fear of reverence of him and what he has done for us but 2,000 years ago Jesus died on the cross the greatest demonstration of his love towards you and I that God could ever give us and all he asks in return is that you receive him for as many as receive him he gives you the right to become children of God as it says in 1 John 12 You must receive Him. And I want to give you an opportunity right now to receive Him, to repent of your sins, to know that you are forgiven and you are set free, that you can live that satisfied life. If that's you in this place right now, and you're feeling that pull, and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or perhaps you did, you want to come back to Him, or you're just not sure. Wherever you are, just raise your hand. I'll see that. I want to pray for you this morning that you'll get that breakthrough. If that's you in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. This morning, I also want to ask, firstly, that you'd all stand to your feet. Stand to your feet in this place. We need to acknowledge we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We need to always be open to come back to Him without shame. God's not there to shame you. God's there to forgive you. We need to come to God without worrying about the 
person on my right, the person on my left, the one behind me, what they think. I don't care what people think. I think I care about what He thinks. And as we play this last song, I just want everyone to come to the altar. I just want you to come out of your seats and just say, here I am, God. I'm yours. I'm in awe of you. I fear you, oh God. And in that time amongst yourselves, if there's anything that you need to repent of, just do it between you and him. It's okay. We've all got things. So I don't want anyone looking like, oh, what are they down there for? That's none of your business. I tell you, they're here because they want to get right with God. In fact, everybody in this place should be in the front. But I'm leaving that to you. You, you do what you want. But I'm telling you, I'm going to be at the front. I'm going to be at the front because I want you to experience the awe and presence of God this morning. So just feel free as the music starts, just come forward. Just come forward right now.